I see people who historically have been HubSpot's only for small companies. This isn't a legitimate product to build CRM solutions on top of like their marketing solution. And so for us, when we really bet on HubSpot, it was, we think that HubSpot is going in the direction of being a CRM platform company. We think that HubSpot has a lot of opportunity to compete with Salesforce and actually steal market share, not just capture additional white space. And we think as a business, no one else is really in the space doing systems integration, systems implementation, like technical services work around the product. And there's this huge unmet demand in the HubSpot space for this type of work. Every SaaS company plays for high stakes, but what does it take to dominate the market right now? Welcome to Paris Talks Marketing, the podcast where we dive deep into the latest trends and strategies in SaaS marketing that are really working today. I'm your host, Paris, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. We've recently rebranded, and our guests are SaaS CMOs, founders, and specialists. And we discuss one trendy topic in the industry per episode, deep dive into the nitty gritty of what strategies really work in the SaaS industry. Tune in and start dominating your market today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. And today, my guest is Connor Jeffers. He is the founder and CEO of Aptitude 8, an elite tiered HubSpot technical consulting firm, and happily, an app studio building products on top of the HubSpot platform. Prior to Aptitude 8, Connor led growth teams building venture-backed companies on top of Salesforce and operated a consulting firm on the Salesforce ecosystem. He has over a decade of experience in systems orchestration, digital transformation, rev ops, and growth. Connor, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, It also happens to be May the 4th, and I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Well, this is this is perfect timing. I hadn't planned to bring this up, but one of one of my favorite LinkedIn posts of yours, and, and maybe this is one of your most successful posts, is when you, you built this uh, Star Wars trailer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, back back when that was like a novel, uh, a novel new thing was like I went and was like, "Hey, ChatGPT, rewrite me a Star Wars opening crawl of HubSpot versus Salesforce," and then found like a online like opening crawl builder and the whole thing. I think Darmesh and like Darmesh and I had this conversation about it. He's like, "This is wild because like pre AI and these other things, that would have been like, let's write a whole thing, let's figure it out, let's put it into a video editor, and it was just like a fleeting idea, and then like translated from that to manifested in the world in." five or 10 minutes, which is pretty cool. I think it's amazing. But that was, that was amazing. And the first comment was from Darmesh, who's the, who's the co-founder of HubSpot. And uh, that's awesome. That was a great post. I want to understand now that you, you've got, so you've got Aptitude 8 and now you have a new spinoff company called Happily. Can you help us understand what the companies are doing and how are they related to each other? Yeah, totally. So so Aptitude 8 is the first one. Aptitude 8 is about three-ish years old. And we're, we're odd in the HubSpot ecosystem, though. A lot more folks are starting to look a lot more like us, which is awesome, which is HubSpot as a CRM platform company is a very new thing, right? Like HubSpot as a marketing technology company was around mm-hmm. for a really long time. Then they became kind of this like SMB sales and marketing company with like, hey, we have this marketing automation product and we also have this really light sales product. They added service mm-hmm. and then everything kind of changed in the beginning of sort of 2021 where they added in custom objects and they added in operations hub and coded actions. And all of a sudden HubSpot moved from, we are this SMB sales and marketing company to we are a CRM platform company that has something that is very extensible, very customizable and can accomplish and do all sorts of really cool stuff. And so mm-hmm. Aptitude 8 as an organization is a systems integrator and implementer. Sort of the way that we think about it is we help people implement, integrate and optimize uh, HubSpot CRM platform. And so we don't do any marketing services. We don't do any lead gen. 
We don't have revenue generation for any of our customers. Our, our whole business is really around how do you build stuff with and on top of HubSpot and how do you sort of build and solve business problems with the solution? And so we really help sort of on the, I'm net new to HubSpot, I'm using HubSpot and I want to extend or expand a different function of the business and bring it into my core technology. Or I want to connect something that isn't connected to HubSpot into HubSpot so that I can leverage HubSpot's automation and infrastructure tools on top of some other data from somewhere else in our stack. We took sort of all of that knowledge and we are starting to see sort of the HubSpot app ecosystem expand and grow as well. Really early days on that side. So remember, how's that the CRM platform? Two years old. App ecosystem today, almost entirely folks like ClickUp and Asana and Google that are just like, we have a HubSpot integration and they're just passing data back and forth. But there's sort of this rising group of people that are building on top of the platform. So honorable shout out to like Arrows, which is building an onboarding solution and Org Chart Hub, which they have a couple apps, but sort of their big one is sort of org charting and top of HubSpot contact data. We, I met Dax and Tyrone, who are the Happily co-founders, and they were building another business, sort of moonlighting nights and weekends. Talked to them. We sort of saw the same vision for what we thought HubSpot and the ecosystem was going to become. We rolled them into Aptitude 8, and we started building stuff when what we called A8 Labs. So we had a handful of different applications, which range from super basic, like Clone Attack is one of our apps. It lets you clone records. Super, super simple. Mm -hmm. Or Associate, which is sort of this VLOOKUP functionality, but gives HubSpot admins big superpowers. And then we've started to build really large scale applications. So our biggest one in market right now is called Zebra, which is a Stripe integration. So we basically take the whole Stripe data model, replicate it inside of HubSpot. So you have subscriptions and transactions and you have all of your Stripe data in HubSpot. And then you can interact with and manage and provision and create customers all from inside of HubSpot with, with Zebra. And so we're building a lot more stuff like that. And so as we were starting to do a lot of those things, we started talking to HubSpot Ventures. HubSpot Ventures really said, hey, we, we think that there's a big opportunity in our ecosystem. We think there's a big opportunity for someone to come and build sort of a studio of apps that help solve a bunch of problems that our customers have and either aren't big enough for us to really tackle directly, but we have customers who have those issues or that are ancillary and whether they're vertical specific or adding functionality that helps solve a problem for our customers. And we think that's really important to have in our ecosystem. Uh, and they kind of asked us to build it. So we spun Happily out of Aptitude 8. It's now a totally separate company and Happily is building apps around and on top of HubSpot. And then Aptitude 8 is sort of solving problems for individual customers on top of HubSpot. And so my whole focus is building stuff with HubSpot is, is really all I do. And I do that both one-to-one -one on, on individual customers on the A8 side and then sort of one-to-many with all the stuff we're building on the Happily side. Got it. Okay. So one is a, Aptitude 8 is a primarily a service business and Happily yes. is more of a technology business. Yep. Yeah, too, yeah, totally. And I think that's honestly, that's the most distilled version of it. It's totally accurate. I think having a services business inside of a technology company is really hard and complicated. Having a technology company inside of a services business is really hard and complicated. And so we have them separated because we think that they both sort of thrive and have very different operating systems to, to help them grow. Yeah. I think that's a very good decision. And I'm, I'm kind of going through something similar myself right now because I have an agency, Hop Online, and we've, we're working on this solution for predictive lifetime value, which is more machine learning and data science based. But ultimately, we want to productize that. So we're in the process of spinning that out now as yeah. a separate thing. So to keep the service entity apart from the, the technology entity. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So I've got to ask now, and I think most of our listeners really want to understand, you probably have one of the most informed opinions about the, the Salesforce versus HubSpot. Sure. Because all of your background, you had many, many years of Salesforce background and you made a major switch. So there, there are a lot of questions around that. First of all, 
personally, why did you make that move from Salesforce to HubSpot? And really for most of our listeners who are SaaS marketers, many of the SaaS companies, I'd say the majority of SaaS companies are on HubSpot. Some of them are on Salesforce, but I think a lot of people want to understand, am I using the right CRM? Should I switch? Or if they're making a new decision, what are the factors, the pros and cons for a SaaS company? So let's start with your personal story. Sure, sure. And then we can talk about the product level stuff. So my, uh, at the beginning of Aptitude 8, we were really doing, and we we're sort of forced, Dan Tyre at HubSpot likes to say I invented RevOps, which is not true, but uh, it, it's fun. And so I think at the early days of Aptitude 8, we were really doing RevOps work on the Salesforce platform, the HubSpot platform. And then we were working with a lot of folks in and around the space, right? So we were an outreach partner. We worked with Insight Squared before their MediaFly acquisition, Groove, like we did all this in SalesLoft and sort of we doing all the stuff sort of in the revenue technology space and orchestrating all of those tools. Our relationship with HubSpot at the outset was sort of weird because they were like, hey, we have this agency partner model. Uh, and we were like, well, we're not an agency. And they were like, we don't really know what to do with you. And we're confused. Uh, and so in the beginning, we were really doing both. And I think two things kind of happened. One is from like a business and an opportunity perspective, which is the Salesforce ecosystem is extremely saturated. And that curve has already sort of like bent really significantly. And a lot of the large scale firms have been built and a lot of the consolidation has already happened. And that doesn't mean that there's not opportunity to be gained in building Salesforce partners by any means. But when you think about if you come into the Salesforce ecosystem and you say, we're going to be a Salesforce partner focused on sales cloud for X, like there's several dozen people doing that already for sure. And I was in Chicago for 10 years. Uh, now I'm in New York. But when I was in Chicago, I knew the model metrics guys. I knew the Blue Wolf guys. Like I watched these companies scale from like a handful of guys in a WeWork to hundreds and hundreds of employees and model metrics sold to Salesforce and Blue Wolf sold to IBM. And like I watched that curve already happen. And I always felt really late to that party. My, my attitude is sort of always like, man, like if only I was in the Salesforce ecosystem like five years ago, like it would have been awesome. And I think what we're starting to see in the HubSpot ecosystem, and I think it's still really early, is we started to see kind of the same pattern happen. We started to see more and more companies take the product seriously and not dissimilar from sort of like Salesforce saying, hey, we can put everything on cloud. You should come over here. This is going to be awesome. And you had large organizations saying, sure, if you have small needs and you're not that complicated and you don't have a lot of other systems, like maybe you could do cloud, but th that doesn't make any sense for us. And that started to shift and it started to become like, oh, wow, this is totally viable. This is like a legitimate path that we can go down. And now we're going to start entertaining it. And the detractors started to become not necessarily advocates, but like open to this idea of you could do everything in the cloud. I think the same thing is happening in the HubSpot universe. Like I see it happening where I see people who historically have been HubSpot's only for small companies. This isn't a legitimate product to build CRM solutions on top of like their marketing solution. That's what they're for. Uh, are starting to say, well, HubSpot can be good in some situations or HubSpot can be viable in kind of these other arenas. And so for us, it was in originally like a business decision of like when we really bet on HubSpot, it was we think that HubSpot is going in the direction of being a CRM platform company. We think that HubSpot has a lot of opportunity to compete with Salesforce and actually steal market share, not just capture additional white space. And we think as a business, no one else is really in the in the space doing systems integration, systems implementation, like technical services work around the product. And there's this huge unmet demand in the HubSpot space for this type of work. And so we repositioned our organization and said, let's go full bore on all things HubSpot. We think that there's a lot of opportunity there. Mm -hmm. And that really worked. I mean, we we doubled over that, that next 12-month period. And that's really kind of how we positioned ourselves. And for me, I think from a platform ecosystem opportunity basis, there is so much need for HubSpot technical services work. And there are so few people delivering it today. And that's changing. And it's going to take some time. But I think if you're 
in and around the space. And I probably shouldn't be telling people running successful Salesforce businesses, you should come and compete with us. But the reality is I think that there's a lot of opportunity here and I think it's still pretty untapped mm -hmm. and HubSpot's going up market and they need partners to be able to help them support them doing it. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of been our growth is, is being that partner for them. We, we actually had a client recently that we did a HubSpot migration for. I wish we, I should have reached out to you for this. Actually, you could have done, done it better. But they were basically consolidating a MarTech stack, which was Intercom for, for chat, customer support, MailChimp for email marketing. These were the two main platforms basically consolidating that into, yeah. into HubSpot. Does that sound similar to the kind of the projects that you would take on where people are yeah. looking to really simplify a, a really complex stack into a, all into one? So we do both like, how do I contract down and how do I expand out? Like both of those are kind of in our wheelhouse. We have a case study. It's on it's on our site at AppSuite.com with Mark, who used to be Lucid Press, and they were sort of part of the big Lucid chart software organization and they spun out uh, and they basically were, hey, we have Salesforce, we have Marketo, we have Outreach, we have Zendesk, we have NetSuite, like we have all of these different things. And we're either going to rebuild all of it because we're leaving sort of that parent organization in, the, in this PE transaction, or we need to choose a different direction. And so what we did for them is basically take all of those systems and tools, rejigger everything to all work HubSpot native, consolidate everything down to run entirely out of HubSpot. And for them, sort of there's a direct software cost savings, which is pretty cool. But the other thing that David Askvig runs all of their business systems team, he's awesome, but he's he's in this video, you can see the story. But basically his perspective is this took us from, we need a team of people that have a diverse set of expertise to administer and manage and maintain all of our systems infrastructure. And like now I can do it. And I can have like an idea or I think we should change a process in this way. And like, I can go set it up, I can pilot it and I can work with the leaders of all of these teams because they don't need to be extremely technically proficient users in order to augment and modify and iterate. And I think the value that we see of doing everything over on the HubSpot side, and they talk a lot about like, usability and single platform and like all of these things that kind of sound fluffy. But I think when you really get down to what does that really mean? It means that you can do stuff faster and you can do stuff with less people and you can do stuff with less technical expertise. And what that means is you can iterate at a higher speed than you can in complex systems orchestration or, mm -hmm. or complex systems architecture. So that yeah. type of thing is kind of one example of what we do. We also do the similar where we take somebody like we have a customer have another big forthcoming video case study around this, but they were like, Hey, we're on spreadsheets. We have all of these tools, like everything's kind of crazy. And like, we're trying to figure out how to get this to be bigger and more robust. And so we kind of took them from, we have all these teams operating in, in different ways to let's build everything into a bigger, more complex CRM platform. Let's integrate it with your ERP. Let's build all this function on top of CMS hub and let's like build everything out. So we both do sort of like, I have a ton of different stuff. Can we consolidate it down? Uh, and we also do, I have nothing and we need to figure out what to do. And we build all of that up. And I think mm -hmm. it kind of goes both ways. Yeah. Really interesting. We took a similar approach though with ClickUp recently and we're a much smaller yeah. company as an agency. But one of the draws of ClickUp was also to consolidate our, our stack. And we had at that time separate tools for project management, time tracking, CRM. Our applicant tracking system was, was separate. We had a marketing automation platform, but there were six or seven things that we, we consolidated all into ClickUp. And eventually, you, you might not like hearing me say this, but we moved away from HubSpot CRM and we, and we rebuilt it in ClickUp. And it's not as good, but but it has a lot of the functionalities we need. But I think that's a big trend happening now is that maybe in the last decade or so, this explosion of cloud-based SaaS and, and so, so much verticalization solving very specific problems 
companies found themselves with these massive complex tech stacks and then having to manage all that as you said the cost of management yeah. is complex different people have specialized in different things and if you consolidate it first of all you save a lot of money and then you can operate and maintain that with a lot less of a human resource yeah yeah do you i mean what would be the deciding factor if let's say the company is like mid-sized SaaS company would you steer them towards or if they're trying to decide whether to go towards Salesforce or towards HubSpot, how would you help them go through that decision yeah. process? So I think that there's some there's some de facto pieces that really push you in the direction of Salesforce automatically, right? So one is you have really heavy, whether it's like your data security as like a primacy mm -hmm. problem that you're trying to solve. So that could be, could be HIPAA, it could be you're managing PII, it could be you have teams in different regions and you need to hyper control, like, so like financial services companies as an example, right? There's lots of regulatory policy around who can see and access what. And where Salesforce has just like an amazing depth of functionality is on data security and data control. And you can really govern mm -hmm. down to a record level, like a record that meets these criteria should be visible to people with this profile as long as they're related to this record in some other way. And those get really okay. big and hairy and hard to manage, but like you can, you can really build complex data security controls in Salesforce. And if that's a prime problem you're trying to solve, like Salesforce is going to be where you're going to go. And it doesn't matter what compromises you have to make. It doesn't matter if you're really excited about HubSpot. Like HubSpot has some data controls. You can say only the record owner can see this. Only managers of this team can see this. And you can segment stuff and they're investing a lot there. But if you really, one, you can't do any HIPAA data. You can't do any PII. And if you want to have a lot of data security, like you're probably going to go Salesforce. Okay, That's sort of like category one. Yep. Like Salesforce wins. It's no contest. There's nothing to really discuss. The second arena where you're probably going to end up going Salesforce is if you're not looking for a CRM platform company that does things designed for sales service marketing, and you're really trying to build your own application that is like custom to your organization on top of something so that you get all the benefits of platform and integrations and like you can find people to build it. Like you're not saying, hey, I'm going to go build a custom app for my whole organization, but I want to build something custom on top of something else. And I want the UI to look exactly like this. I pre-designed it. I want these specific workflows. I want these specific screens. I want this specific journey. And you're really coming at it not from a, how should we do this? And, and looking to a platform and a technology to help you do it better. You're trying to force the tool to do something very specific. Salesforce is going to win for that as well. HubSpot kind of has limited UI functionality or limited UI customization. You can do lots of stuff now. It's actually getting a lot better. But if you're like, I want to hide, I don't want anyone to see this marketing tab. I don't want anyone to see this contact field. I want these things to look different. Like you're going to start to run into a lot of walls. Those are kind of the two big things that if you're like, this is the problem I'm trying to solve, you should look at Salesforce and like, don't waste your time. For most other stuff, HubSpot has started to achieve parity and in some situations actually has a greater level of functionality than anything you're going to find on the Salesforce side. Even if you take like, I have limitless budget, I have a ton of expertise, like the things that make Salesforce hard, right? It's like, it's really expensive to implement and set up. It's really hard to get right. And you need to have people full-time in your organization, like a team whose job it is to maintain and manage just that system. That's all they do. Mm -hmm. And that's all true on the Salesforce side. And you can start to get into a lot of the nuances on, do I want to go HubSpot? Do I want to go Salesforce? But ultimately, I think it comes down to where HubSpot is better and you should really just like de facto go to HubSpot is one. If you are a PLG driven type of organization, you do a lot of product led growth. You really want tight integration between your CRM and your product. HubSpot is better at that in every single way. The primary reason for that is HubSpot's background as a marketing technology company means that they have sort of this contact timeline that has events and it has web visits. And like, if you want to integrate, for instance, 
instance, like if you have a web application and you want to be able to send to HubSpot, like has somebody logged in and have they viewed these particular feature pages or have they interacted with it in this particular way? That's like a couple of hours to get configured because you're just adding the HubSpot tracking code, you're sending in the custom events, and now you're tracking all of that in HubSpot and you can build workflows off of it and you can show it in the timeline and you can report on it. Doing that in Salesforce is like, you need to go find a tool, whether it's an Amplitude or a Pendo or something else, you configure all of it, you set it all up, you map it back to Salesforce, you have to custom build this whole thing. And if you're really PLG driven, I think HubSpot probably is the right choice most of the time. And you probably don't even need to spend as much time on the Salesforce side. And then the next version that I would sort of put in there is being very there. Uh, hubspot centric as well is where you have a very customer driven purchasing process right so you're not sales outbound you're not driven by we go and connect and find people and we get convince them to work with us but we do a lot of whether it's marketing or whether it's events or whether whatever it is people come to us and then people need to navigate and consume our content and our events and our marketing materials and engage with us in a whole bunch of different ways and we have this big like omni-channel type of approach that draws people yeah. in. And if you're that type of a model, HubSpot's going to suit you way better than Salesforce is because they're going to do an amazing yeah. job of stringing together all of those ancillary interactions and events and combining them into one system and tool. And so those yeah. are kind of examples of like, go Salesforce, go HubSpot. If you're like, yeah. I don't I either do some of those things or I'm not really in either of those camps really heavily, it starts getting into like, you should really diligence and evaluate both and you should see how you can build it. And if you're not a HubSpot optimist, like you can really build amazing stuff on HubSpot these days. Between custom objects and coded actions and CMS Hub, like your ability to customize and extend what HubSpot's capable of is so far beyond what it was 12 months ago, certainly 24 months ago, like it's night and day. And so I think if you're any in any other category, you really have to look at both products and start to diligence and understand what do I really need and how do I really evaluate and make decisions across which one of these things is going to be better for where I'm at. Yeah. Great summary. I mean, what, what you described about the, the marketing angle, HubSpot pretty much invented inbound marketing from the very, very beginning. I remember when I first saw them, maybe 2009 or 2010 or something, they invented this new term, inbound marketing. It's when you attract people to you through through your content as opposed to outbound marketing. And I always have thought about Salesforce being associated with out, more of outbound sales, whereas HubSpot is more associated with inbound marketing. And that integration, I think organizations that have tighter integration or maybe have de-siloed their marketing and sales where it really is a continuous flow of that customer journey. I think HubSpot's the way to go there. And I do think that that is why at least all of the SaaS companies that we talk to and that we work with, they're all on HubSpot, almost never on, on Salesforce. I'd like to pivot over to the CRM's relationship to marketing platforms now because we do a lot of work in integrating both HubSpot and Salesforce with platforms like Google Ads and Facebook Ads. Do you all also work in that area? Yeah, we do a lot with just like, we talk about CRM platform and we talk about the HubSpot sales side. And that's, the, I think that's the area that like we really champion. And I think HubSpot, most people that are in the marketing automation space are like HubSpot is the best product in this arena. And the folks that are still kind of holding on to Marketo or I think the last holdouts <laughs> that are kind of out there. Mm -hmm. But I think that we're seeing a lot more of that. We do a lot like, so an example, um, we just did Uber Freight. So they're sort of the freight arm of Uber. Their strategy has mostly been like, hey, we have this technology platform and we're going to go and acquire shipping and logistics logistics companies and sort of consolidate them into Uber Freight. And so their business is really like, we're going out, we're finding a freight company, we're buying them, we're rolling all of their systems and their technology and their go-to-market stack into the way that we do things. And then we're doing the same thing with all of their shipping and logistics software side. And so for them, we help them move from 
Marketo, but then also move like a handful of different Pardot and other environments that the different acquired organizations were using, consolidate that all mm -hmm. into one marketing hub solution, and then integrate it back into Salesforce. And the Salesforce instance that Uber Freight's using is the master Salesforce Uber instance. So it's got Eats, it's got Rides, it's got Freight, it's got everything. We do a lot of work on like, hey, let's migrate and figure out you have all these different marketing automation platforms. How do we tease all of those pieces out? How do we migrate all of those over? How do we make sure that customers that are in active marketing drips or campaigns or nurtures or whatever you're running, like don't know that you switch platforms. <laughs> like you don't send mm -hmm. millions of emails when you migrate over. And so we help manage sort of that, like we rebuild the plane while you're flying it and then integrate that back down into Uber's master Salesforce instance and sort of managing the Salesforce and HubSpot configuration. So that's like an mm -hmm. example of something complex, but we do a lot of work with customers that like, hey, we're using Marketing Hub, we're using Salesforce and we help them with both the Salesforce side of solutioning and building and integrating and, and then also the HubSpot side. We have certified mm -hmm. consultants on both. So we do a fair amount of Salesforce work. What we don't do is work with folks that, if you are not currently using HubSpot or evaluating HubSpot or moving to HubSpot, like we probably won't work with you. But we have a lot of Salesforce chops and do a lot of Salesforce work for customers that are using HubSpot Marketing Hub on top of Salesforce as their core CRM. Oh, you, you, there are people that, that have that. So they're using Salesforce as a core CRM and HubSpot as a, as a marketing Super player. common. Yeah, 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 super common. Uh -huh. Okay. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. The Paris Talks Marketing Show is affiliated with Hop Online a performance marketing agency focused on high-growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. If you like the flow of this conversation, you may want to consider jumping on a discovery call with someone at Hop Online. A discovery call is similar to my podcast interviews in a lot of ways. We'll get to know your business goals, competitive landscape, and marketing needs. And you'll almost certainly come away with some new ideas for how to accelerate your customer and revenue growth. If you're interested, Go to hop.online, that's hop, H-O-P, dot online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, back to the episode. A lot of the stuff, the limited touch points that we have as an agency with HubSpot is mostly connected to flowing the, the CRM data from HubSpot into Google Ads primarily. Google, I think, is the furthest along, more so than Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads. And this is connected with the coming demise or uh, sunsetting of third-party cookies. Google really is desperate to get first-party data from advertisers into their platform so that they can enrich the, the targeting. And when third-party cookie tracking goes away, they're going to rely on first-party data even more heavily. Most of the time, that first-party data, the richest first-party data source is going to be the CRM. And the HubSpot has this native two-way integration where you don't need to involve a developer at all. And you can do a two-way sync between HubSpot and Google Ads. And we do a lot of that. But have you seen any, any implementations around that where um, you're basically trying to flow, flow this HubSpot CRM data into ad platforms like Google? So my personal knowledge and expertise on ad platform stuff is going to be pretty minimal, to be totally honest with you. I think what we see a lot of is kind of this view of how do you get data into HubSpot and how do you get data out of HubSpot and like managing both of those pieces. And so what we do a lot of is we see a lot of organizations that are doing, hey, I have a data warehouse, an ERP system. Hey, I have data somewhere else or I want to get data somewhere else. And how do I orchestrate and manage and move all of those things? And we see a lot of tools, whether it's like a Syncery or a high touch or different reverse ETL platforms to do some of those pieces. But my guess would be, given what you're saying, right, is this model that we see HubSpot taking of let's grab all of your information and data and then let's make it easier and easier to connect it to other tools in your stack. And we see them doing that with like like operations of data sync. But I even said like this year they launched uh, or last year, 
They launched the create a sales order in NetSuite via workflow, create a sales order in Dynamics via workflow. And like this idea of we are going to not only build all the functionality, if you want to run everything here, you can, but we're also going to make it really easy for you to connect to other systems and pieces in your stack. Mm -hmm. And if I understand sort of what you're saying, which is outside my arena of expertise on first party data and third party data and how some of these components are going to connect, that becomes, I think, a pretty significant competitive advantage of being able to get that information into a place that it becomes actionable and being able to do that easily and equip the teams that need to actually do those things to be able to do it without a lot of IT or data team type of support. Yeah. Well, in our experience, HubSpot is definitely the best at that because as soon as you need to involve a developer, the, the timeline for implementation goes totally. five times longer. Yeah. It's literally a uh, settings tick box in Google Ads where you can connect to HubSpot. Here's my HubSpot account ID. And then, it's, and then the data starts flowing immediately. But of course, that does also really depend on having really accurate data in the CRM to begin with. So salespeople, if they're moving opportunities through a sales pipeline, they've got to update deal values and probabilities very diligently for that to work. But I mean, it's really game changing for those companies that have implemented this because from a marketing acquisition standpoint, historically, it's been about, well, we have this budget. We're going to go out and with this budget, we need to go out and generate this number of leads at this cost per acquisition. But now you can actually give marketing teams sales pipeline KPIs and say, you know, now that we're flowing our CRM data into the ad platforms that we're acquiring with, we can actually have marketing have the same KPIs as sales, which is X dollar value of pipeline created this quarter, as opposed to a number of leads with dubious quality. So that's really, I think, something where HubSpot shines. Because when, yeah. when we deal with a client that has Salesforce, we know, okay, We've got to get a developer involved. We've got to build a custom field for a G click ID and, and it's going to be a hassle because developers don't really yeah. understand why, why should I spend time on this? That data model isn't designed to do that either, right? But with Salesforce, you have like, mm -hmm. you have leads spread across contacts. You have this like contact level data and you only can add like activity history. And so like this concept of timeline events and ads interactions and like all this data sort of like CDP style flowing into an individual contact record isn't something mm -hmm. that Salesforce is jiggered for. Whereas to your point, HubSpot like, is designed with that in mind. So I don't even touch mm -hmm. the, side, the side of the world that you're really describing. And I can yeah. see how there's like a fundamental architecture component that really drives it in that direction. Yeah, cool. Well, Connor, this has been fantastic. Your your knowledge is so vast and, and I think you bet on the right horse a few years ago. We'll see. I'm, hope, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. Yeah. Well, everything that I'm seeing is, is HubSpot continues to take off like a rocket and um, just an amazing story there. So congrats on that. And we can talk about AI. <laughs> it's the Actually, only thing. We do need to talk about AI. And I forgot to ask that sure. question and it's a loaded one. Thank you for reminding me. So clearly generative AI is, is turning the world upside down now and it's impacting the way people are working within their tools. But how do you think that generative AI is going to impact how people use? Well, first of all, how is it going to impact the CRMs themselves like HubSpot and how people are going to be using those tools? Are people going to start leaving HubSpot to do things in ChatGPT or is it going to become uh, integrated in some way? What's, yeah. what's going to happen? So I, I think that it's helpful to think about generative AI as like another layer of sort of like history of computing generally, right? So if you think about back in the original, when you first had computers at all, the big problem was like, there's not enough space on the motherboard to add all the functions that we need. And like, and we don't have enough RAM. And now you have these giant machines and like you had to think about, oh, I'm doing punch code and I'm doing tapes. 
and I'm doing all of these interactions and I have to actually consider runtime and processing power and like how much is really there. And that was like a primary skill if you were going to work with computers. Like it's like you had to constantly think about how can I reduce the number of requests I need to make. You then think about how hard it was to interact with technology as you had to know how do I set up servers? How do I build machines? How do I do all these components? And as you get more and more programming languages and as you get more and more functionality and as you move stuff into the cloud and you have AWS and you have Azure and like, you don't even, no one ever thinks about that anymore. Like you're like, oh, I can write code and it's like slightly more efficient. Like that doesn't really matter unless you're building for Netflix or you're building for Amazon and you're building at like this, this level where like so many places to the right of the decimal, like makes any impact because it's so cheap to access compute. And then the next thing that you see is that the difficulty of using technology goes down. You move from, you actually have to be able to write machine language to you have to be able to write coding language to you You do Zapier and you do point and click and you do node level functionality where you don't have to know how any of that actual code writes. ChatGPT and, and AI is just like the next level of that. And so what I think ends up happening is today we've really extrapolated if you want to build really powerful, complex stuff, you don't need to be a developer, but you need to know how to configure stuff in a HubSpot and be able to like build some of these workflows and know how data models work and know how objects work and like how do you map fields. And I think that the accessibility of that just continues to increase where you have people who you don't need to know any of that. You just go to the AI and you're like, I want to build a campaign and it looks like this. And here are the emails I want to send. And here are the days I want to send it. And it'll say, okay. And it'll go configure everything in HubSpot for you. And I think that's kind of like the direction that we're going is that the ease of use and the accessibility gets so high that like any user can do things and make them happen. And so I think that there's two things that happen as a byproduct of that reality. The first one is that the value of saying, I know how to interface with the machine goes to zero. And so if you as an individual, as an employee or your business surrounds people come to me who have business requirements and I set them up in the computer, that that's gone. That doesn't matter anymore. They can do it themselves. It's irrelevant. But what actually increases in primacy and importance is setting up your system well. Because if you do not have that original architecture, if you do not have that original implementation, if you botch the V1 of it, or if you do not have data inside of that system, any of those AI tools are useless to you because they, they can't solve that problem. Like they're just they're just optimizing for the interface. And so you go to that and you're like, hey, I want to build this campaign. Here's how I want to do it. And it's like, cool, you want to segment off of your finance data. And like, that doesn't even exist in CRMs. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about and I can't do that for you. And so I think that the importance of building good systems goes way up and the value of knowing how to interface with the system goes way down. And I think the shift that we're going to see is getting it right and building it well matters more and more and more. Because if you don't do that, then you can't use those AI tools and all of the acceleration factors that happen because it's easier for your team to interface with the machine, you don't get, and then you fall behind mm -hmm. and then you lose. And so I think when you think about that curve, that's kind of what it looks like in a longer life cycle. And I think where you'll see a lot of this AI functionality is in the tools people use every day to get their work done. And I think you're going to see it across CRM in general, and that'll probably be the main place that salespeople, marketers, and service people interact with AI is using it inside of those machines in order to help deliver mm -hmm. their job and help deliver what they do. And you'll see a lot of higher efficiency from all of them as a result.
Yeah, I mean, I think the efficiency is going to skyrocket because I believe still there's a lot of time spent in data entry, CRM data, and now ChatGPT or, or generative AI in general can do that. So yeah, send an email follow-up to this contact or um, take this call recording or this transcription and, and populate the notes in the CRM so that I don't have to write write out those notes yes. or, um, or whatever. Send me a quick reminder to follow up in three months. This yeah. yeah. But I think, yeah, that'll be, that'll be exciting. I mean, I think that'll certainly for the primary user of the CRM, the salespeople, I think they should be excited because data entry load should be going down with this. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm glad we remembered to talk about AI and thanks for being on the show. It was great to have you on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I'm sure we'll chat more about all AI stuff soon. Great. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.